when something goes wrong, say like fraud has happened, the customers ask, well, what did you do to keep my money safe? Did you do this and did you do that? But when it's time sometimes for them to prove themselves to us, then they're like, well, this should be enough for me to prove that I am who I say I am. Welcome to The Laundry, the podcast connecting AML, compliance and financial crime to the real world. I'm your host, Marit, and in this episode, we are asking what should be on the KYC roadmap for 2024. Due diligence, enhanced due diligence, ongoing due diligence, know your customer, know your business. If you're listening to this podcast, then you're more than likely as familiar with these concepts as you are the lyrics of your favorite catchy pop song. But just because these concepts are well known, it doesn't mean they are static processes which aren't changing. These are some of the simple basics which have huge consequences from company reputation, onboarding speed, generating revenue and stopping financial crime in its tracks. So today, we're not peering into the crystal ball to talk about the distant future, but instead talking to real senior figures in compliance about how they're looking at these processes over the next 12 months. I am joined by some great guests to discuss What are the biggest challenges with the current KYC systems? Where does perpetual KYC, automation and global standardization fit in? And what should be on the roadmap of all compliance professionals in 2024? To dive into these topics, I'm here with JP Sol, Head of Second Line Compliance at Pensionbee, and Haley Veskimeister, MRLO and Head of Compliance at Lightyear. Welcome to The Laundry, JP. Can you tell our listeners about you and your role at Pensionbee? So I am the head of second line compliance at Pensionbee. I deal with regulatory compliance, anything to do with uh, financial crime, fraud, AML. I ensure that our policies and procedures are in line with regulation. And Haley, welcome to The Laundry. What should listeners know about you and Lightyear? I'm Haley. I am um, leading compliance and legal function in uh, Lightyear. Uh, I joined a little over two and a half years ago. I was one of the first employees in Lightyear. So I have uh, seen uh, and helped build all of the compliance processes, including AML processes and the onboarding flows uh, from scratch, uh, which is a very unique uh, opportunity to get things right. And for people who don't know yet what Lightyear is, uh, then uh, Lightyear is an investment platform. We operate in two jurisdictions, um, UK and Europe. All together, we service customers from 22 different countries. And we have one mission to make the very, very fragmented European investing uh, alliance uniform and accessible with very reasonable fees so that people can grow their wealth uh, and invest in global economies. Well, thank you both for the introductions. Let's dive into the conversation about what's on the roadmap for 2024. But before we start, let's just give, let's just start by talking about how much KYC and KYB plays plays a part in the day-to-day operations today. So JP, how does this look at pension be? Obviously, because we offer like pension investments uh, for customers. Um, so onboarding customers requires KYC and we, we do this every day. We 
do it through a third party company who runs our checks for us. And we have a dedicated uh, first line compliance team who uh, sign off any any KYC checks that don't pass immediately or instantly. And KYB, uh, we, we, we deal with a lot of employer contributions. So we complete checks as well to ensure that we're in line with regulations and knowing our customer and knowing the businesses that we deal with. So your first line team picks up those checks that just that don't go through right away. What are some of the red flags that they look for in, you know, in a pension product? I'm really curious, like, you know, you need to have a risk based approach, but what are what are the risks that you're looking for? Because a pension is a long term product. I don't think the the likelihood of like fraud or identity theft is really high. However, I think in, in, in initially what they would look for is making sure that we have the right person. In terms of like red flags, it might not become apparent straight away that something's wrong and we don't get many of those. But I'll say that making sure all the details are correct. So a customer's name, date of birth, national insurance number. So if, for instance, any of those come back with a flag, then we'll be seeking to get further verification. In a way, I, I can kind of say that we, we don't want to give all the red flags away because we don't know who's watching, but we check to make sure we have the right customer. Well, thanks for that. So Haley, JP gave a, you know, a good overview of what it looks like in a pension uh, product, uh, FinTech. So what does it look like at Lightyear? When we set out to build the KYC and onboarding process, we had one thing in mind, which is customer experience. It has to be as smooth, streamlined, and easy and intuitive as possible. While at the same time, we also need to fulfill our regulatory requirements and, and get the data that we need. So we started with, firstly, really, really well figuring out and containing like the relevant risk factors that we actually need to know and that are relevant to our business, our business model, our services, the geographies where we operate and, and the kinds of customers that we are willing to onboard. And while keeping like the automation level high, it's from one hand, it's really, really beneficial for the customer because they get onboarded fast without any friction, but friction also causes a lot of manual work for the firms that requires a lot of human resources. So, and as a startup, you, you, you keep the organization lean. So you're kind of constantly balancing in between those uh, two aspects. Generally, I think it's quite important or interesting perhaps to know that the KYC processes in different jurisdictions also carry their own complexities. So for example, in UK, uh, reference data checking, which is super, super, super nice for customers because they don't really need to do much, uh, works really, really well. Because in UK, there's a lot of registries uh, where customer's data is in and that you can check on the background and verify that the person onboarding is actually that person. Whereas in the rest of the 21 countries, for example, where we're live in EU, this is not really the case. So if you can't really do proper registry checks and, uh, and KYC kind of on the background, then the KYC process and the onboarding process gets a bit more invasive for customers. So they have to go through an identity check where they provide their document, do a selfie, which is also not that burdensome because there's pretty good service providers out there, but it, it does create a little friction. We automate as much as possible, which means that we need to be really, really clear on what the red flags are for us. I think 
any kind of discrepancies in customer data is definitely a red flag. So something in the lines of where you claim to be a resident, but then where your tax residence is, for example, if they differ, that's one indication that something might be off. But I think currently one of the biggest challenges perhaps, or not the biggest challenge, but that creates manual work for, for the firm uh, is everything and anything to do with screening. So sanction screening, adverse media screening, PEP screening gives out quite a lot of alerts. Maybe the tools are not calibrated well enough, which creates quite a lot of manual work for the firm, less visible for the customer, but um, maybe interesting actually after one or two years of operating as a, as a company, I would say that there's a lot of financial crime risks that do not relate to people hiding their identity. So while, of course, uh, as Chapey said, we have to ensure that the customer that signs up or is actually the person that they claim to be, but we see a lot of other risks that customers do fully with being very open with their identity. So all kinds of car frauds, anything and everything to do with money mules, of course, which is a very unfortunate uh, case and uh, romance scammers. Uh, so yeah, there's a variety of issues um, also in addition to KYC. So what you're saying is that what you're seeing across the customer base is that it's not necessarily that someone is trying to, you know, shield their identity or, you know, pose as someone else. It's actually they sign up with their own identity and carry out with financial crime. And, uh, you know, and those are the risk in the behavior then that you're looking for. Absolutely. I would say on a very, very high level, we do put more emphasis on the continuous business relationship monitoring. But you, you need to have like KYC data to verify that against, right? So so they are both obviously very important. Yeah. And I definitely want to touch upon the perpetual KYC. And, you know, you, you also said that the screening of the clients and, you know, sanctions, PEP, adverse media, that is a lot of manual work. And I definitely want to touch upon them. But I, I just want to uh, ask you both a question. And uh, you mentioned that, you know, Lightyear, it's been in operations for two years now. And do you think as a fintech who has recently started up, you have a sort of an advantage when it comes to the regulators that you know, like, okay, they will go for the big banks first. You know what? We can focus a bit more on the user experience, take some shortcuts here and there. We'll fix those later. But for now, it's just so important to get customers onboarded. And we know that the regulators, they're not going to knock on our door for another few years. They need to do take the rounds with the banks first. Those discussions, do those happen at, around the compliance table in a fintech? There's a bit of a different way to look at it. It's not that when you start out, the supervisors won't touch you for a few years. At least this is not my experience. Uh, we've been subject to several controls, similarly to any other market participant. Uh, I don't really see that uh, anybody's being much more lenient. It is rather that it is up to you as a firm to make sure that you are super well aware of where the actual risks lie. So you build your business model, service model, and customer base in a contained way. You, you contain the risk in certain places, and then you target mitigating those risks. So you have to be super targeted, super efficient, and understand exactly where the issues lie. And if you have thought those things well through for yourself, it's very easy to also present that narrative to the supervisor. So there's a proportional approach, of course, but you have to be able to make 
sure that the regulators understand that you understand where your actual risks lie. Do you agree with this, JP? I think um, the, the kind of services that we offer are slightly uh, different. So yes, in a way, I do agree. But also, I, I feel like you have to follow a risk-based approach, right? So depending on the type of product that you have, you would have certain procedures and policies in place. Now, the, I, I feel like uh, with pensions, it, it's, uh, the hu- it's huge savings. Like It's probably the biggest amount of savings that any individual will ever make. So the responsibility on our shoulders to make sure that we keep their money safe means that we don't uh, think in in the perspective that, oh, um, they're probably going to look at the bigger companies first before they come and look at a fintech. We, we do it right and get it right the first time so that we can protect our customers and we can protect their money. So I think, and, and I feel like that should be the best approach that anybody takes. Um, or any company takes. Um, so no, we do not take any shortcuts at all. At least not, <laughs> not under uh, my my um, cover or, or or my managing. Um, but um, we we definitely make sure that we get it right the first time. We we follow a risk based approach, like Haley said, and we we make sure that we we protect the customer because I think that's what's important. But I think uh, the methods and the the concept will always be different, right? Depending on what product it is that you're, or or or, or the customers, the consumers that you are serving. I'll, I'll I'll probably say like the challenges that I, I'll say that we see with KYC a pension B most times would be people not having the right form of identification. Obviously, customers know who they are, but we, we may not know who you are. And uh, trying to, I think, form that balance in making them understand that essentially what we're trying to do is to protect your money. So although, you know, you may have something, a boss pass, for instance, um, that you feel like should be enough to prove who you are, uh, we, we need something more. You need, we need something more substantial. I sometimes say in like trainings that I give uh, to some of my colleagues, when something goes wrong, uh, say like fraud has happened, usually the customers ask, well, what did you do to keep my money safe? Did you do this and did you do that? But when it's time sometimes for them to prove themselves to us, then they're like, well, this should be enough uh, for me to prove that I am who I say I am. So I think it's just finding the balance out there. Those are the challenges that we have. Definitely the industry can do better in being able to consolidate data a bit more to make it easier or more streamlined in the way that we are able to check people or make sure that we we have the right person. I, I know Haley mentioned that sometimes it's not just having the right person. I, I think that's probably more peculiar to your type of business. For us, there are obviously other risks that we face, but in terms of like KYC in particular, it's always, for us, it's always making sure we have the right person at all times. Ownership is important at Strice. Our UBO maps are a signature feature for a reason. That's why it's crucial that our users should be able to amend and edit the ownership structures of a company the minute they get the new information. Strice's latest feature, Edit Ownership, does just that. You can edit ownership information all in a centralized location. Quick and accurate data management is key to making sound business decisions, especially with no loss to your workflow. 
Goodbye, outdated ownership data. Hello, AML intelligence. Nice. Let's move on to the next topic, which is, you know, we are now middle of Q4. It's uh, 2024 is just around the corner. So how do you guys decide the next steps in your compliance roadmap? What is what's on the roadmap for 2024? And maybe we can start with you, Haley. We're planning quarters, actually. I've spent quite a chunk of my career in banking. And the biggest takeaway is that they're extremely slow and they don't take, use their data efficiently. So what we do in Lightyear is that we have dedicated data analysts and we review, plan, and assess our controls, our customer behavior, and any kind of trends on a continuous basis. This assessment is really like detailed approach and, and uh, identifying any kind of new risks that we might be seeing is something that drives our priorities. And without going much into details, I would say that if I look at supervisors' priorities in EU, in UK, obviously due to Russian evasion, sanctions, and everything around sanctions has gained traction quite a lot. And uh, the supervisor focus has especially turned to third-party tooling that firms use, or your own tooling if you built uh, sanction screening yourself, and kind of the calibration thereof. Uh, are they efficient? Do you test them out? Uh, are you sure that you actually find uh, the people that you should be finding and 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 um, not helping uh, evade sanctions? This is actually one one topic that we will be dealing uh, because it, it it just makes absolute perfect sense. Even though we have been doing sanction screening on a daily basis since we launched, this is uh, this is like. This super elementary uh, from our European supervisor. I'm not sure whether it is as relevant also in UK. I don't think it is. Um, but yeah, this is one big topic. I just uh, so it's very interesting what you're saying that the regulators are cracking down on the the technology providers uh, or the technology you built yourself to you know make sure that you test them properly. So you did mention sanctions. So, so how are you going to go about testing your technology providers? Yeah, it's a very good question where we're yet to figure out the exact uh, methodology, of course, but uh, sample testing, um, ensuring that you know changing the letters and the name here and there actually still give up uh, alerts. So I think the main the main issue is with the fuzzy matching, right? And how 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 do you make sure that your tools are working super, super well. Very hard to verify, but um, we're working towards that. Is the regulators um, being more prescriptive in the sense that, okay, you need to set your own sort of threshold in the fuzzy matching and have a conscious relationship with, you know, with that? Or how, how is it being enforced, if, if you got my question? No, they won't define thresholds because then they would be setting a a level of quality, and then if it doesn't uh, result in in perfect um, detection, then they would feel uh, responsible. So they can't do that. Uh, they do get quite prescriptive on on defining the methodology and what you need to test, how often you need to test. Um, but there's also some proportionality there, of course. If you're a bank um, and you facilitate payments or payment firm, it's it, you have to be much more diligent in reviewing continuously your third-party providers or your own technology 
as an investment firm, our risk in that area is actually quite low. Um, we don't really facilitate payments to third parties, so that already contains a lot of the risk, but that doesn't take away the responsibility altogether. So our European supervisor always likes to emphasize that you are a market participant, you're here for a reason, so you need to understand where your risks are and how to mitigate them. Uh, so basically us as a firm, our job is to prove that we do understand that we have proportional measures and we feel as confident as possible. And JP, let's get on to you. What is on your compliance roadmap for 2024? Any any uh, highlights uh, you want to share? Um, we're, we're definitely uh, working to improve our current processes at the moment. We follow a similar approach to Lightyear. We go through our risks over the year and see what areas need work, uh, what new risks we've discovered, what processes we need to improve on or any gaps in our current procedure. And then we work on improving those. We are trying to upgrade the technology that we use at the moment to make it a bit easier um, for our customers to complete verification. So there's a huge, massive project going on at the moment to, to do that. Because again, we want to make sure that we can balance not making it very difficult for our customers but also equally uh, making sure that we're compliant. Just wanted to touch upon the uh, upgrading your technology because you know that's a natural next step to look at you know AI and automation. How do you guys deal with the fact that AI it's definitely here to stay? There's so many things you could do with you know Gen AI and the data in AML. It's so fuzzy and not perfect and it could be a perfect use case to help with LMs but you are in a space where the consequences of just like the slightest hallucination from an LLM can have the biggest consequences and it's not so explainable and you know how can, how do you guys deal with that inherent uh, you know friction between the promise of the technology and the you know, the reality of the business you operate? I think it's finding the right balance will be the correct answer because definitely we're, we're, we're a fintech, so we're, we're all about technology. We're all about trying out new technology. Certainly the culture I've seen at work for me regarding AI has been very welcoming. But I think it's finding a balance and creating, I would say, a software or a process where we can definitely not rely completely on technology because I think that's where it could go wrong it is knowing exactly when manual interference will be needed. What do you think about AI and automation in AML, Haley? Automation is good. Um, there's two things. For one, we like to build as much as possible in-house. Uh, why you... you you build your knowledge base, you control the tooling, you control the data coming from the tooling, and through that, you get more and more efficient all the time. Uh, it's a continuous process that that uh, that kind of never ends uh, yeah. and needs to be adjusted. With any kind of AI, you still need to understand the methodology, right? You still need to be able to backtrack how the conclusion was reached. It can be AML, it can be investment decisions, it can be anything you want. And this is also the supervisor expectation. But even the supervisor expectation aside, you would want to know as well more too. It's, it's if, you, if you're responsible for building 
different controls and tooling, you need to understand how the tools work. So we are looking towards automation um, as of now outside AML, uh, not automation, AI, um, in different perspectives. But the principle stays that you, you still need to be able to understand how the results are generated. We are now in a time where AI automation can have a big impact. New advances happen every day. And on the flip side of that, financial criminals also have access to these tools. And we know that that is all an ever-evolving cat and mouse game. So in when you guys sit down now in Q4 and you plan your Q, Q1 compliance roadmap, how much can be planned in advance and how much is just being reactive to the changes you see happen in the industry? We just did a very, very thorough enterprise money laundering, terrorist financing, sanctions risk assessment, for example. Uh, this is a, the basic requirement that the, the guidelines prescribe you should do at least once a year. I don't really see it like that. Um, we did it. It's not like we weren't aware of our risk before, but that was like this really, really holistic uh, exercise where you put together qualitative assessments with quantitative data. And um, through that assessment, you took a really, really holistic look at the whole company and its activities and its risks. And we narrowed down uh, the key areas where we need more work, uh, which kind of have more, let's say, dynamic risks. Uh, I would say fraud is one of them. Because we know where it is, we build dashboards and data and, uh, and we monitor those trends daily. Then we can react on a daily, weekly, monthly basis. Uh, so we don't really have this huge roadmap saying, well, in Q4 2024, we need to start investigating some kind of AI or robot tooling. And we also continuously monitor our partners and, and increase um, uh, the efficiency of our own internal processes. So I can't really say that it's like a long-term roadmap. We do it continuously. But yeah, I think like card fraud is one big thing where, where people get smarter and smarter. And we build new and new dashboards uh, because we find like groups with different characteristics and they pop up time and time again. So it, it's an ever-evolving um, uh, domain. Yeah, what about you, JP? Are you more like planning in advance or is it more, uh, you know, being reactive? I mean, we do some some planning in advance, but it's not feasible to go too far ahead. Um, so we do like short term planning in, in advance to kind of like find ways to mitigate any risks that we've discovered. At the moment, like I said, the, the project that we're working on we're looking to use improved software. It's just I, I can't go into too much detail about the type of software it is, but we're, we're looking to use improved software to complete our checks. And part of the things that we think that would eliminate are quite a lot of the issues that we've kind of predicted might happen with our current tooling that we have. So uh, in a way that is us kind of like thinking ahead and making plans to resolve it. But also while we're dealing with that project, we're also working on things that we are reacting to. So for instance, like for us, the, the stages when KYC is really key is when customers join us, whenever they're taking a withdrawal, whenever they're changing their details, uh, whenever they're transferring out and going to another provider. So at those points, uh, and, and with businesses is is identifying the business and, and making sure that our AML uh, rules are being followed as we process like any uh, transactions in or out. 
So those are the points that we use to assess uh, the type of like tools that we create or the plans that we make in improving our our KYC procedure. But uh, for the time being right now, we are proactively trying to get um, a, a better way to complete verification that would reduce the amount of client impersonation or even, I, I think when it comes to fraud, a lot of people don't consider uh, that sometimes it happens in-house, in family. And I feel like we, we, we see one or two of that in the line of work that we do, because sometimes we're dealing with older customers who need support uh, from family members. And sometimes they're very trusting of all their information. And it's just finding a way to, obviously, we're not saying that people shouldn't get support, no. And we're here to help people get support. But um, it's to make them also aware or have um, features in place that would help us know when we're actually dealing with our client or somebody else's pretending to be them, uh, for instance. So we're, we're definitely tightening our belt around that area to make sure that we don't have any incidents uh, moving forward. So that's uh, that and just making the whole process a lot simpler and easier for our customers is what we're currently working on in the early parts of 2024. I mean, you cannot work enough on the customer experience and getting the KYC, KYB right. I mean, uh, if you just, uh, it's so important to get it right at the beginning. I mean, if you onboard a customer and you get a false positive on a PEP or a sanction, it's just so much work, endless amount of work. So it's important to get it right and then to get the, your risk assessment right as well in the beginning. But for all the other MLROs or heads of compliance listening, what is the one thing uh, you think should definitely be on their roadmap for next year? Looking at data and looking at the data smartly. Uh, have a dedicated data analyst helping you if you're not one yourself. It helps you react just 10x faster. And uh, if you have fintech company or any uh, financial company, actually, you should be able to react super, super fast. I don't think that compliance people who do who take six months to do a review, then present the review, and then the entity takes two years to implement the, or, or to remedy the situation. This is not the this is not going to cut it anymore. Uh, you have to be able to detect and react really really fast, and also then adjust the, the tooling and processes. Yeah, I agree with you there. Having the the right technology in place to be faster and uh, react faster instead of. Uh, Implementing all technology that just takes forever to get up and running and then you you need a change and it's another six months of, you know, changing a simple thing instead of using new technology where it could just happen in an instant. And you, JP, what are the tips uh, you think compliance officers should have on their roadmap for next year? Um, if, if, if I was to say to like other pension providers, I would say it's embracing technology because I, I feel like Pension B came out as the challenger brand in terms of like technology and trying to make like pensions as simple and as easy as possible and to do things quicker. And unfortunately, there's still a lot of like old fashioned or, or other providers who still practice old fashioned ways of completing KYC or, or, or doing their checks and their processes and procedures. And it kind of slows things down so badly and it 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 
although we try to make things as quick as possible, it, it affects the customer because we need the other side to also play ball because obviously we, we deal with transferring pensions. So um, I would say it will be them being more open to technology. It, it might seem scary, but it's not, you know, it's not that scary. It, there are actually a lot of positives um, to having the right technology in place to make sure that we can do things uh, a lot quicker, but also efficiently and correctly. Embrace technology. It's, uh, it can definitely help, uh, help improve. And thanks a lot for those tips for our audience. And final question from me. If you were going to suggest a topic or a guest for The Laundry, who do you think we should speak to and about what? I don't have a person in mind, uh, but I think one good topic would be to talk with people who are responsible for ensuring that the European-wide different kind of national FIUs enhance their cooperation. What I see as a EU-wide firm is that you report only to your local FIU whereas you have customers from different uh, countries. And I think the cooperation doesn't work right now, but uh, because uh, Europe is establishing a new European-wide AML authority, which is supposed to take care of that, then I would love to see that because currently market participants put a lot of effort into detecting and reporting uh, suspicious activity, but I'm not sure whether these uh, reports are being actioned as efficiently as, as possible. I don't think you are alone in feeling that all those endless uh, SARS, uh, where where are the status on those? And uh, JP, for you, what's uh, the guest or the topic we should have on the show? Oh, dear. <laughs> I, I, I can't think off the top of my head a guest. But if I was to think of a topic, I'd probably say um, a topic that would probably highlight perhaps the need for a lot of collaboration uh, in different sides of financial services in order to kind of make it easier to comply with AML regulations or like um, core uh, financial crime. And what I mean is like, I feel like there can be a lot of collaboration that can work between, you know, like banks and like pension providers uh, and other financial service providers because each party has a lot of data and a lot of information that they ask customers for that they each individually have. <laughs> and I feel like there might be a more efficient way to actually, and, and, and a safer way uh, to actually exchange data or exchange information that would make things more secure Uh, but would also make it easier for us to kind of deal with these issues. So, for instance, I can I can picture a world where if, say, we needed a bank statement or we needed to verify a bank account for a, a customer, that we could have a portal that we could connect directly with the bank with the customer's permission, maybe with a code, you know, that you can enter and that would give you the data that you require. Obviously, making sure that we also comply with all data regulations, but I feel like it can be done with technology. So anyone that can talk about that topic will be quite interesting to see um, and see how possible it, it could be. Because it, it would save, I think, everybody a lot of hassle and make things easier and simple. I agree with you. I think also, you know, um, 
solving the data silo issue and uh, getting all those pieces of information that's out there just in one place Absolutely. and have AI churn through it and make it efficient for everyone who work in you know first line operations it would it would have such a huge impact so yeah i i agree with you on that one so uh, we'll look into it that brings this spin of the laundry to an end jp and hailey thank you so much both for joining me where can people find out more about you and connect with you. People can find me from LinkedIn and uh, I suggest also to check out Lightyear, uh, lightyear.com. Likewise, yeah, you can find me on LinkedIn or you can go on Pension B's website or reach out uh, to me via Pension B. Um, but yeah, please check Pension B out as well. We're doing amazing things with pensions. Money makes a world go round. Money makes a world go round. Thank you to everyone for listening. If you've enjoyed this episode, don't forget to go check out the back catalog and follow The Laundry on your podcast platform of choice or subscribe to our YouTube channel. Please also leave a review. To get in touch with us, The Laundry team, you can comment on the Strice LinkedIn page or email laundry at strice.ai. Your host for this episode was me, Marit. Our producer was Matthew Dunn-Miles. Our engineers were Nicholas Thun and Dominic Delargy. The Laundry is proudly produced by Strice, an AML intelligence system. So looking to supercharge your AML processes, visit strice.ai. See you next time. 